It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
uh, as best as I can. I'm going to be calling in as a caller on the other phone. But the battery's dead. So this Oh, uh, that explains a lot. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Phones are such a pain in the ass. All right. Yeah. The best way we can by saying Before we uh, we move on with the show, a uh, few things. <clears throat> for for one, always for Black Bedsheet Books, go to downwarden.com and uh, and just uh, follow the yellow brick links. <laughs> kind of, um, that'll lead you to the Black Bedsheet digital store and print stores, and uh, everything else. All the surprises, wonderful surprises at downwarden.com. But uh, also we have uh, our presence on Twitter and Facebook. Just look us up at Black Bedsheet on Facebook and Twitter. Um, but uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on, and uh, those of you who tuned in the last time know that I am, and I'm still, working on our uh, our, our official uh, Roku channel, not just for Black Bedsheet wow. Books slash Black Hamster TV, but an uh, Francie and Friends Roku channel, all their own, that has all the um, prior Francie and Friends episodes. And you could just, like, you know, select and go through and select and 
So that's something that I'm still working on. Also, um, I'm almost done with um, our flyer that's going to be used for uh, direct marketing to independent bookstores uh, for our uh, wholesale for um, retailers program. And we are looking forward to, very much looking forward to, new releases by S.C. Hayden, um, including a reworked, um, Rusty Nails, Broken Glass. Those of you that are familiar with S.C. Hayden, he's been with us for quite a while. He's got some exciting stuff coming out this week. So as always, um, tune in to us on Twitter and Facebook, our main Facebook page. And don't forget to join our group page on Facebook where you find a lot more up-to-dates first. So I guess that's it, Francie. Okay. Yep, we're going to bring on callers. Francie says she's uh, she's around like a chicken with her head cut off. <laughs> Wait, oh, there she is. Am I clear? Yeah, a lot better. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Uh, I believe we have everyone here. There you go again. You're starting to break up. Can you hear me? Uh, Are we here yet? This is this is uh, this is Edward X Young, uh, grindhouse horror movie actor, makeup effects artist, director, veteran of something like I don't know 75 independent horror movies right now. Your friend and and frequent guest going back to, all the way to 2009. God, it's been that long. And of course, wow. uh, I know that. Wow, that is a long time. It has been a long time. We've that's been quite a we've had quite a relationship going on here. And of course, uh, I I was in a very I'll I'll answer all the 20 questions and stuff, but I I was in a very serious car accident which. Should have been fatal. Like my car was utterly destroyed, and uh, wow. somehow I miraculously survived. But uh, I, I'm released from the hospital now. I'm at my home, but it's, it's rough. I've got uh, a shattered right arm. My arm was broken in five places, and my wrist was dislocated. Ouch. I've got a lot, a lot of metal in this arm now that replaced the shattered bones, and I do have a busted sternum. That's your breastbone. So that makes it very hard to talk. I, why, I'm not doing any karaoke for the rest of the summer or singing with my David, David Peel band for the rest of the summer because it's it's very hard to even speak. It really hurts like a motherfucker if I talk. So I, I've already been compared to sounding like Charles Krauthammer. And uh, well, I can respect <laughs> that. I do, think, I do dig the guy. But uh, I yeah. actually dig Krauthammer, but... It is scary because I, I, I could have very well ended up like Krauthammer. He was left a quadriplegic from a serious car accident. I do wow. have whiplash. Yeah. I do have whiplash really bad, too. So uh, I am lying on my back while I'm talking to you, and uh, I'm on morphine. Uh, so I kind of feel like, you know, Johnny Thunders here. But, uh, Feel I, pretty I, good I right about now, huh? Yeah, well, actually, you know, if I, I imagine if I was not in pain. Uh, and didn't need it. I'd probably be it'd probably be euphoric, but it's I could I could still feel the pain cutting through the morphine. So it's just kind of wow. kind of like weird, weird and semi hallucinogenic. But I'm here, and I'll 
I'll tell my story and answer any questions. And and if you know, sometimes I have a bad connection because I I always like to identify where we're coming from whenever I'm on John Link's radio show. But I know that you're out there, practically in San Francisco, California, in some remote little hamlet called Antelope, I believe, outside of San Francisco. Am I correct? Yeah. You're in weed. You're in weed country, right? I got no weed right now, you know. Anybody who knows where I am here on the east coast of New Jersey, bring me weed. <laughs> well, I'm in but, Pennsylvania, but I am from New Jersey, so can't help you really. Okay. I I'm here though, uh I'm here on the Jersey shore, very close to Doctor Weird's castle where John Link lives chained in the basement. And Ah, uh, gotcha. <laughs> Hopefully this week will be joining us later too. If uh, if he can somehow, you know, escape, if he can escape from the human centipede that's holding him prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, uh, I, I I am alive. I, uh, You're alive. That's a good thing, right? Alive. Yeah. So I was watching. Then Ghoulie last night, which comes out of Chicago, and Sven uh, I, 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 Ghoulie and I are pals. So we've never met face to face, but we are we are we communicate regularly through Facebook and email. Sure. Uh, and uh, the great horror host who's been on, my God, Sven Ghoulie, you know, you think of Sven Ghoulie as if you know what I'm talking about, you think of him as a yeah. newcomer. He's from Chicago, and he already shows from Chicago, but. Uh, Broadcast here in the New York metro area on MeTV, and uh, but he's been on the air. I was talking to him 36 years now. I, I still I still recall when I thought he was like a newcomer, uh, like a a a, uh, a John Zachary pretender, a very good one. But you know, it was like you know Zachary's the original, and you know Spengoli's one of the really good new guys. But he isn't a new guy at all. He's been on for 36 years. I mean. Francie, Francie wasn't even born then. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that is kind of hard to believe. Francie, you're like 19, right? Uh, hold on, hold on. One more time. You're like 19 years old, right? Oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be 19 again. Yeah, no kidding, huh? Yeah, it's a little, you know, it's like John John Link, John Link bemoans and gets lacrimose and says, oh, oh, to be 620 again. <laughs> so, uh, here's, uh, uh, here's a really end. cool thing, Ed, is how many people I hear you breaking up a bit. Can you hear me yeah, clearly? Yeah, you sound real clear. Yeah, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll tell my story about the accident, but it was a horrific accident. And if anybody went on Facebook and they're friends of mine, I posted pictures of returning to my car after I was released from the hospital. I, I don't know how I lived through that. But, uh, but I have to say that, you know, I, I was very seriously injured, and I've got a long rehabilitation process, and my, my arm is shattered. And uh, it's wow. metal. 
I don't know what it's going to be like when they get the cast off. But, uh, I mean, you know, a lot of people malign, a lot of people from the so-called world of the normals uh, malign the the subculture that we are part of, you know, this this island of misfit toys known as the horror movie, the, the independent grindhouse horror genre community. But, uh, I mean, more so than my, than my blood relatives, or my, my, my erstwhile blood relatives and, and, and a lot of other people. I mean, I, I want to say the biggest and warmest and, and the, the, the greatest support, the greatest support I got in the aftermath of this accident was from the horror movie community. And, uh, and 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 they were really there to support me. I mean, I uh, I, I wouldn't want to leave anybody out. You, you can hear me talking, right? Yeah, you you sound real good. I, I mean, after I got smashed up in the word, I got smashed up shortly uh, after midnight. And I'll tell the story of the accident later. But I got smashed up after midnight on January first. And, and lying in the hospital bed, uh, they weren't able to operate on me until Tuesday morning, uh, just due to the schedules in the hospital. And I was lying around with a shattered arm and, and on a lot of dope. But uh, I mean, with, within hours of, of this accident, I mean, it happened shortly after midnight. But, uh, on Monday morning, uh, uh, the first person I see out of the fog of this of this morphine is uh, David Lee Madison, direct director, producer, writer of Mr. Hush. And uh, yeah. he lives about a three-hour drive away from me out in Pennsylvania. And, uh, and yeah. he, was, oh, he was there before anyone else. And uh, he, he, yeah, he, he, he posted that. Like, right, that's how I found out what happened to you with uh, seeing David Lee Madison's post. And I'm like, whoa, what? What just happened? And then, you know, he was like, I'm going to go see Edward in the hospital. And he, his post is really cute. He says, I give Edward a hard time. I know that. But it's all in fun and love. He's my Mr. Hush. And then he describes your car accident. And he, then his next post is, I'm going to go see Edward, like, right now. And it's like, ah. And there was like, so send Edward my love. Send Ed my love. It was really appreciated. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I acted in these horror movies, but I was scared. I was really scared. And I, and I, and I was and am hurt and sad. Like I said, this is not this is no picnic. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have this damn cat on my arm. But, out of the fog, there was David Lee Madison. And uh, once again, Mr. The, the, the director, producer, writer, and, and one of the actors in Mr. Hush. And of course, David also, I don't want to forget this, people forget this, David produced, I mean, he did produce my movie Emerging Past, which was. Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. Directed by Tom Churchill. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, written by Tom Churchill. But David produced that, and, and that just got released. That just got released. It was it was in a very lengthy post production process. It just got released and won awards at the New York City International Film Festival. It won the award for best horror film on May first, just you know, one month before my accident. And uh, David did produce that, so we can't forget it. And we're we're currently working on a new movie. We're working on a new movie called Little. A, a, a strange docudrama that David's doing called Middle Village, and I 
and I've uh, and Brian O'Halloran, uh, who played Gandhi in Clerks, is one of the stars. And uh, of course, Ed, uh, Brian O'Halloran's also in Mr. Hush. But uh, I had a wonderful time uh, doing uh, doing scenes with, um, among others, uh, uh, Scott Chiaffo, the Julie's Gum guy from Clerks. We were in a scene together, and and the the, the great towering, gigantic wrestler teams. Is also but, uh, yeah. that should be a fun movie when it comes out. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see if we got any callers. I know a lot of people are trying to call in tonight. Let me see. Uh, yeah, we got you for a long time. I scheduled the show a little extra longer. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll tell the whole story of the accident and and other people who reached out to me too. Yeah. Man, why did this yeah, happen? Can you log on the Me, me, I'm here. <laughs> I'm Dawn. I'm the one that's in Pennsylvania. Mr. Wink, so, uh, so yes, who, who do we me. have who, who do we have with us besides uh Mr. Wink who else is with us? I'm Dawn. I'm, I'm the one that's from Pennsylvania. And and uh, whereabouts in Pennsylvania? Uh, Meadville. Because we're, uh, we're, uh, we're about, we're... oh, I'd say about a half hour, uh, 45 minutes from uh, um, Erie. We, we were shooting, uh, David Lee Madison and I, we were, we were shooting this new movie out in the uh, Lord's Valley area. Oh, really? Uh, cool. Yeah, I don't know how close we were to you there. And, I'm not uh, sure. You probably have to look on a map. <laughs> and and Gene Snitsky, who was with us, the great gigantic wrestler. Uh, uh-huh. he, he lives in Pottsville. Oh, okay. I've heard the of it. Home of, the home of the oldest brewery in the United States, Yingling. Well, which, oh, okay. Yeah. Which are, I am okay, drinking you, a beer now. Me? I would rather be I believe we have David Madison on. David, are you there? Well, connect the man. <laughs> Hello, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah we can we hear, you. hear you. Okay, I believe we have David Madison on. David? Okay, we have a one 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 on. One 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 one. Yeah, I hear you, Ed. Nick Peter is hacking. What? Oh, you didn't. Oh, you still got it. Okay, okay. Pick up another. We got another one 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 one. All right, we got two one 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 all the way through. If your number's unlisted, you're off hold. Hello, can you hear me? Ah, yeah. there's David. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Great. Ed, so great, great right. to hear your voice again, my friend. I'm glad that you're recuperating so well. Yeah, although everybody tells me I sound, like I said, people tell me because of my busted, busted breastbone and the extra breaths I've got to take, they tell me that I sound like Charles Krauthammer. No, I have no idea who that is, but I'm sure it's funny. <laughs> you, don't watch, you don't watch Fox News. Oh, there you go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 
I guess that puts you up a few pegs in people's eyes. Well, I want to just—I want to mention one thing. I went to visit Ed just hours after his accident, and I want to say that Ed was not only a trooper; he was incredibly brave. And uh, I was very, very proud of how he was handling such a, you know, scary situation. I got a little scared. I was scared. I was scared and depressed, and I appreciate that, but I try to cover it up because I'm a good actor, but I was quite frightened, and I really valued you showing up there. It really lifted my spirits. Oh, I'm glad, Ed. I'm sad that something so horrifying happened to you, but I'm glad that everything is starting to you know, turn around. Watch out in the hospitals, though, because I was scared. I was depressed. I mean, yeah, I got all shattered up. I've got a shattered arm, busted breastbone. My, I got whiplash. My, my knees are still bruised. Uh, I feel like horrible, I'm horrible, but I was totally bedridden in agony. And, of course, they come to you in the hospital. I mean, I've got to work out. I have insurance, but I, but yet I wonder what kind of a copay I'll have. But they, they come to me and, and ask me. They, could, they ask me if I'm feeling depressed. What am I going to say? No, I feel like dancing with Kazatsky with a rose in my teeth. No, I told them I was <laughs> I told him, yes, I'm pretty depressed. Well, would you like to speak to a counselor if you're feeling depressed? And I said, well, if it would help, sure. So this wasn't like I'm so depressed that if I could rise out of this bed, I'd jump off the roof of the building. I was depressed. And they sent a counselor. They sent a counselor by my room to talk to me. I'm talking about half an hour, 30 minutes or so, and I'm looking over the hospital medical bills, they charged me five hundred and fifty dollars for the psychiatrist by my room for half an Holy hour. Shit. And asked me if I was depressed or why. Well, depressed because no my kidding. arm is shattered and I've been paid on morphine, and I, 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 my whole summer is ruined. I mean, five hundred and fifty bucks for a half-hour chat with a shrink. I feel like arguing that charge. I was like, no, you didn't tell me uh, we could have a shrink talk to you, but it'll cost you like half a yard. You know, they were like, look, if you're feeling depressed, you'd like to talk to a counselor. It can't be arranged. And I was like, well, you know, are you depressed? Well, yes, yes, I'm depressed. Well, look at it this way, Ed. This will depress you even further. Just think of what that $550 would have gotten you in Amsterdam. (laughs) That's right, yeah. Well, yeah, I just wanted, uh, wanted to call him briefly. Just I don't want to... that, uh, when he woke up at, in a morphine haze, you were like the first person there to see him, and he really appreciated that. Yeah, I was listening, and I really appreciate Ed saying that. And, you know, uh, Ed and I are usually at each other's throats because that's just the nature of the business. And when you are working together all the time and you are two creative and artistic people, that happens. But I love him dearly, and it broke my heart to see that he had such a bad wreck. And, uh, you know, of course I was going to be there. It was the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I liked your post. You you actually said that. You were like, me and Ed, yeah, I give him a hard time all the time, but he's my Mr. Hush and my friend. And then you mentioned the horrible car accident. I was like, no! It, 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 really, so, it really broke yeah. my heart. Sadly, when David came to see me, very sadly, he also delivered the news that, uh, on the same day that I'd had this accident, that our, our our dear mutual friend Betsy Palmer passed away at the age of eighty-eight. Oh yeah, Betsy Palmer, yeah. He's that was a rough uh, twenty-four Bet- hours. Yeah, but Betsy, whom uh, Betsy, whom I've been friends with actually long before I was acting. I've known her for about twenty years. 
and uh, we had a very cute meeting when I was working as a telemarketer years ago. And when you're doing telemarketing for any of these companies, you're usually on a computer calling, and the person's name and address and phone number appear on the screen along with whatever form you're filling out. And, and I was working for this company some years ago, and we were calling New York City numbers. And, you know, not a, you know Betsy, not Elizabeth, Betsy Palmer comes up with this address on the Upper West Side. And I know New York like the back of my hand, so I know these are like the high-priced brownstones the Ritzy neighborhood, and it's Betsy Palmer, and I, I'm thinking this, this can't be Betsy Palmer, the actress, and and the woman on the other end was ranting and raving and, and yelling and like, oh, I can't believe you damn telemarketers, and she actually had quite a mouth on her. She was, <laughs> she was cursing me out for like, she, I was calling for this, you know, this police charity organization, and uh, actually our company called for about 20 different police charities police and fireman charity organizations. It was kind of a racket, a swindle, I'm ashamed to admit. But but she mentioned how, uh, you know, I gave to one cop group, and now every damn cop and firefighter group is calling me, like, every week asking for more money. What do you do, sell the numbers? Uh, I really wanted to tell her, no, well, we don't sell the numbers. It's the same damn company representing all these groups. But <laughs> we didn't have to sell any. But, uh... I immediately apologized to her, and I calmed her down, and I said, no, no, ma'am, Miss Palmer, please excuse me. No, look, you don't, look I'm not, I don't even want your money. No, not, I don't, I'm not going to ask you for a donation. I said, I just want to know one thing. And she said, she calmed down. She said, what do you want to know? I said, you're, you're, you're Betsy Palmer, right? And she, with exasperation, she huffed, and she goes, of course I'm Betsy Palmer. You, we established, yes, I'm Betsy Palmer. You asked me that at the beginning. I said, no, no, you, you don't understand the nature of my question. Are you actually Betsy Palmer, the actress? And she's like, Yes, yes, I am. Why are you asking me? I said, Well, I'm a big fan. And then she kind of said, Oh, you are. And I said, Yes, ma'am. I said, I'm an enormous fan of horror films. <laughs> and which point came the next barrage of curses and condemnation? She said, Horror movies. She goes, Oh, my God. She goes, I can't believe it. She said, You know, I've done Broadway plays. I've started. TV shows, I've been in Oscar-winning movies, One of, you know, I've been in Mr. Roberts, you know, she said, she said, and, and this is my legacy, when I die, all they're going to remember me for is, you know, I started that crappy little Friday the 13th movie, uh, I, I can't believe, is that what you, I said, well, I know your other stuff, I said, but, you know, hey, you know, it's, it's like, you know, a classic horror film, you're, you're in it, you're the star of it, and, we had we had a big chuckle, but you know she really like she's like she said and I you know I didn't have a chance to see the New York Times. I wanted to see if it was true. Maybe you saw it, Dave. I I, I wondered how the New York Times did handle her obituary. I think they, they called her the crazy cook from Friday the Thirteenth. That they really really did. It's true. Yeah. Her her work came through. But that's the oh, New York no. Times. <laughs> Now. Uh, All right, uh, Dave. I mean, uh, Dave. Um, Edward, we have somebody calling from your backyard. Oh, really? From my backyard? Uh, to the. I will oh man, we got so the... many callers on. Um, seven three two. I'm looking out my window. Nobody's in that backyard right now. But <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 playing Peter Gabriel's in your eyes right now, holding a big boombox over to their head. 
right at, right now on the Jersey Shore, it's pouring rain and quite dark. If somebody's in my backyard, right. they got to be psychotic. Okay, area right. code seven three two. You're live. Hello. Hello. Am I on? You're on. Hi, this is uh, Andy G from Talking Terror Presents. Hi. I just wanted to say hello to Ed. You know, he was on my Talk show earlier to tonight. Cool. Your, your voice broke up a little bit. Identify yourself to the audience again so they can fully hear you. Ed, this is uh, Andy G from Talking Terror Presents. You were on my show uh, a couple hours ago. Yeah, I was, I was on the show a couple hours ago. We were talking about uh, great horror films, uh, Frailty and and Prince of Darkness, two movies two movies surrounding themes of God versus Satan. And and uh, yeah, oh, right. I, was on, I, was, I was on Andy's uh, show uh, about six o'clock. Well, about uh, San Francisco. I was on Andy's show five hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's, yeah, a, he's a dear friend. Uh, I thought I was your one and only. Yeah. <laughs> no, he he's been a great friend and a great uh, co-host when he comes on and calls in, and we love him to death. You know, we're glad that he's doing okay and he's able to join you guys tonight and talk to you guys and. I'm sorry I'm in your bushes, Ed. You know, I know it's raining, but I had to, you know, put the flashlight down for a second to call in. So. Well, I think there might be some there might be some bones in the garbage can if you want to gnaw on them. <laughs> yeah, you left me something out here. I was like, oh, I'll just snack on this while I'm on hold. So, you know, like, they'll give me a couple seconds. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I already took some pills. It's hard for me to get out of bed. I'd, I'd toss some food out the window to you if I could. <laughs> no, I know you're always trying to help your stalkers. It's always good. At it. I, I I often wondered where from where you broadcast your show. Now I realize it comes from the tool shed in my backyard, which explains the <laughs> ambiance. Mm-hmm. Great acoustics in there, you know. It's got a great sound in there, you know. So appreciate it, you know. You got to keep a place in that lock, but we always get in. But I, but I was gonna. I, I, uh, if you were, if you heard a bit of my story earlier, which I was discussing with David Madison, I was gonna say the the uh, the end of the Bessie Palmer story was. I mean, we we became friends when I called her telemarketing, and and she lamented lamented that she that when she died she'd be remembered as playing always as playing Pamela Voorhees. But uh, she was she was she was kind and generous enough for when I explained to her the nature after a long conversation while I was at work which my manager was starting to look at me kind of fishy because they had a gauge there that could tell how long you were on a phone call. And I'm looking at him, and he's looking, and these were like, supposed to be like five-minute calls. So you could tell that I was talking to one person for about half an hour. But I, I asked that to you way back when. I said, uh, you know, I said, I, I, I have seen your other movies, of course. And, and she was very touched that uh, I had seen her. The first professional theater I'd ever seen as a kid uh, when I was in junior high school, I saw her star in a production of uh, William Shakespeare's uh, As You Like It. And uh, and she was rather impressed that I had seen that and remembered it very well. And I said, well, of course, you know, it was, it was a magnificent production and, and you were wonderful in it. And, and she was very touched by that. But I, I did also ask her, I said, you... You wouldn't mind, I said, you know, I explained the nature of the business. I said, you, you, you know, I want you to understand, I can see your name, your address, and your phone number before me. I am a big fan of yours, and, and I, I 
you wouldn't mind if you've enjoyed talking to me. May I jot your number down? I said, may I call you on occasion just to talk to you? I said, I would, I would never exploit the privilege and harass you. And she gave me permission to do so. And, uh, and so, uh, I would call her on her birthday or Christmas time or several times a year. For years, I would call Betsy Palmer up and, and it, it led directly, although it never led to us acting in the same movie, it, it, it did lead directly to her, me putting her in contact with David Madison, and and she was certainly on uh, on the top of my list when when David asked me for guests I would like to have at our very first Mr. Hush convention, and, and ironically the Mr. Hush, the original Mr. Hush Weekend of Fear. Uh, ended up being uh, Betsy Palmer's swan song. I mean, she was already in her 80s, and she uh, it was the last convention appearance she ever made. And uh, so we, we were honored with that privilege, and it was wonderful. It was still a, a, a crazy, wonderful dream come true to to have to be, to be at the Mr. Hush weekend of fear where I'm Mr. Hush. And, and you know, Betsy Palmer is there for three whole days, and I'm, you know, I'm talking to her a lot and getting to know her a lot face-to-face and in person. And I've and I, I followed her around for the past 20 years where I've seen her in a, quite a number of stage productions. She used to tour with... Uh, I'll have to call them up in the aftermath of her dad's demise or death because uh, she for a while toured with Will Hutchins. He used to play Sugarfoot in the Cowboy TV series on, on like a long time ago in the 50s. But, he was touring with Betsy, doing a version of uh, A.R. Gurney's Love Letters. Wonderful play, a two-person play. And I had seen them perform that a couple of times on the road. Uh, anyhow, it's uh, sad that we lost Betsy on the same day. I'll never forget when we lost her, too, because uh, uh, it, it was almost a double obituary. It would have been, you know, that the New York Times would have had, you know, Betsy Palmer, you know, star of Friday the 13th guys. And uh, and somewhere in like you know the uh, the Paul Hunt like uh, Weekly News, it would have mentioned you know Edward X Young, star of Mister Hush died, <laughs> but I but I didn't die. But uh, but Francie, I want to tell more pleasant stories. But Francie, you were the one that alerted me to the fact, as others have, that that some joker. Uh, we, we, let's not mention any names or, or risk anything about getting in trouble. Yes, but don't, apparently, don't mention the name, but we both know who it is. It, it came, it came so quick. It was on my homepage, and I was scrolling down. Okay, what are people doing? And then there was a little post that said Edward X Young just died. Nick was on the phone with his doctor, and I'm like, Nick, Nick, Edward X Young just died. He just died. He just and then I refreshed the homepage and it was gone. Did somebody really and write that? It was you died and I'm like trying to contact people like what just happened? Did Edward die? What what's going on? And I'm trying to show Nick the post and it was gone. Remember that, Nick? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it was very clear. I know it'll pop up. But if they're seeing it from the Oscar, the official flag. Uh, oh, I'll oh, oh, What? No, you're gone. Huh? Well, okay. I, will, I will say this, uh, this culture had, had an effect because uh, 
uh, you you weren't the only one to see it. My my phone started ringing like crazy. Uh, other people saw this, and, and briefly a rumor was out there that had passed away. And uh, I, 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 my, my primary objective for your show tonight is establishing that I am indeed still alive and, and likely to recover. And, and I guess suddenly it's, it's a miracle I'm alive. I'm pretty smashed up, but it's a miracle I can enter in one piece. And uh, in addition to having my arm broken and shattered, my, my wrist was totally dislocated. And when I when I like when the air when the air depleted from the airbag, I looked down and the way my hand my hand was like on my wrist sideways. I thought my hand. I mean, I, I thought I I thought I'd lost my hand, and and I started. I mean, it was horrifying. It was, uh, I, I really okay, found it. It was in my wall. I realized it was like a foot pad. Well, Francie and Ed, I want to say thank you so much for having me on. I'm going to scurry off into the night because it's already 20 to 12 up here in northeast Pennsylvania, and i got to get up super early. Thank well, you for having me on your show, Francie. Right, David, I'll probably be able to see you again soon. I can't wait until I'm ambulatory because I'd, I'd love to see you again. And, Absolutely. You know. Sometime around uh, July and, 4th and weekend. What I can't wait to see is Mr. Hush 2. <laughs> well, I'm at my new movie, Middle Village, will come out in November, and then we'll start working on Mr. Hush 2. Oh, yeah, we, awesome. we were just and, discussing and, it before you joined oh, us. Who's going to be Mr. Hush, Mr. Hush 2? Uh, I think some, I think somebody on the uh, who's currently on the show might have a chance at reprising his role. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys gotta keep me updated because I'm here in Pennsylvania and I want to be able to come see you guys. Oh, absolutely. We shoot. We'll be shooting it in uh, Milford, the Milford Matamoras area, and uh, uh-huh. if you're a fan on the Facebook page, there'll be tons of information. Going. Oh, great. Yeah, I live in Meadville. Oh, cool. All right, everybody, have a great night. Area code 6 wide, and I believe I might know who this is. I'm going to take it up with the dark city. You're breaking up really bad again, Francie. Oh, 09, Shelton, are you there? I'm not here. Who's there? Who's with us? Hello? 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 I hope this is Don Sheldon. <laughs> yeah? John, John Lake, is Don Sheldon know what happened to me? No, I, I never called him. Hello? Who's on the phone? Is this Sheldon Roth Farm? <laughs> Hello? 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 Is this Francie? Is this Francie? Somebody, somebody, yes. somebody better tell Lassie that Sheldon's down in the well. Hello? <laughs> Is somebody there? Yes, you're live. I can't Somebody hear it, so I'm breaking up all over. I think Brandy, I'm getting you're breaking into, up pretty bad again. I think I feel like I'm in a twilight zone. It feels like I'm breaking Somebody up. To, tell, hello? Tell I can't Lassie talk. Wait, we can hear Lassie you. It's Francie that's breaking up. Well. 
I think that I think that Ed and I have had bad karma for a long time. Hmm. This is Sheldon Roth Harm. It's not it's not Don Feldman doing a spot on impression. <laughs> <laughs> is this Francie there? Can you hear can us? Can anybody hear me? I, I can hear everybody. <laughs> I said I think that Ed and I have had bad karma for too long. I, I'm yeah. I'm all I'm all smashed up. I'm 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 all. It's like what uh what Don what uh, what's his name uh, Don Casana uh, what the sheriff says in Night of the Living Dead. You know he's they're all messed up. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. They beat them, burn them, they go up. Yeah. So I've had very bad karma. In fact, you know, all joking aside, I I, I really need help from my friends because it seems that my life has been. I mean, I'm tragically, I mean, I want to stay upbeat, but it seems my life has been utterly disrailed since my fiance Susie Palermo came down with terminal cancer. I know, I know, and we've then, both been disrailed yeah. since 2004. And, and now, like, you know, just when I, whenever I try to get on my feet, I get, like, something like this happens where I'm just broken all the pieces, and it's going to be a, a long mm. mend, a long mend. Yep. Hmm. But uh, at, at the risk of getting so, what, what has been happening to your life, Sheldon, in the past couple of years? Uh, I don't know if I want to say it's been pretty bad. But Are both of your parents still alive? My mother isn't. How about your father? Your your mother is passed on. Yeah. How about your father? You might have heard my father had a, my father, which is, well, I could get into this is pretty much why this accident happened. I could get into an angry rant, but my father had a massive, my father, who's probably my best friend and biggest supporter of my filmmaking now, he wasn't when I was a kid or when I was a young adult. I know. But my, my father had a massive stroke on March 5th, which, uh-huh. is left, which has left him extremely incapacitated, paralyzed on his right side. And uh, mm. I'll be able to speak, and uh, mm. and really, really in need of medical care. And, and you know, he's a veteran who served his country during the Korean War, mm. and uh, and he he really should have still been hospitalized, getting rehabilitation in an institution. But uh, the, the bastards that ran this institution, uh, they they called us, they called us at the beginning of the Memorial Day weekend and announced that. Uh, that one of their rules is that a patient can only stay there as long as they're making uh, continued progress on a weekly basis. And uh, conceivably, Medicare could have kept them there until the very end of July. But that their doctors deduced that he wasn't making uh, continued progress on a weekly basis, and they called us uh, at 6 p.m., I'd like to name the place, but I won't. I don't want to give them any lawsuits, but, you know, these bastards... They called us on 6 p.m. on Friday at the beginning of the Memorial Day weekend and announced that they were discharging our father because he wasn't making progress. The reason why he wasn't making progress, we looked at the medical charts later, they kept him doped up on Ativan, which is a heavy sedative, almost like Thorazine. Yeah. On Ativan, uh, four times a day, 24-7, just to prevent him from being alert and active so they could just keep him lying in bed. And then they had the nerve to say that he plateaued and wasn't making progress. And 
that's that's why this accident happened because I I wasn't going to let my father get sent to some snake pit, you know, uh, you know, in Trenton, you know, some hell. Yeah. We we brought him home and yeah. my sister and I were scrambling trying to divide our time between who was going to take care of dad and he really needed round the clock care, uh, medicine every four every six hours and. Uh, and, and you know, and he, he's been making progress, but he really—he I mean, is making progress now that he's off the Ativan. But uh, he came here in a, almost a zombie-like state, and uh, and I was sleeping along. He was—we uh, we scrambled to rent a hospital bed, which we got, and rent a wheelchair. And uh, he was sleeping in a hospital bed in the middle of our living room, and I was in the couch alongside of him. But he's an old man, and he needs his medicine, and use the facilities and, and whatever, and he's in pain, too. And so I was taking care of him all night long and being woken up almost every hour with something that he needed. And so I'm getting no sleep, and, and yet I'm trying to work my day job, and I'm trying to continue acting in my movies and trying to sing with my band, and, and it finally caught up with me what happened uh, the weekend. You were a band? The weekend of the accident, I'm staying up all night taking care of my father. And, and the Saturday before the accident, I sang with one of my bands, uh, Matt Payton. And uh, we were doing a medley of Johnny Thunder songs, and we opened for the Murder Junkies, G.G. Allen's old band. And, and then I got almost no sleep Saturday night and, and went off Sunday morning to, uh, I live in South Jersey, but I went off Sunday morning to work on Three different. I mean, I had to postpone because my father was rushed home from the previous week. I had to postpone some acting gigs, but but all of these directors know each other, and and John Link and I. John Link is with us. We we acted in three movies on the same day, on the day of this accident. Uh, I had to drive. And how did the accident happen? Yes, I, I had. To, I I acted in the morning. I acted in a movie called Lace Monsters. Which was a mummy film, my one and only mummy film. It looked like a lot of fun, a horrific mummy makeup, in which John Link and I play a couple of uh, we play a couple of uh, gay fa- gay fashion photographers who get killed by a mummy. You can imagine Link and I playing a couple of gay fashion photographers. I just like to know how the accident happened. What what caused? Yeah, um, Edward, I I do have to say this about uh, Sheldon real quick. Um, I know that you guys were kind of on a little falling out terms, and I was there when this happened, and I know that you guys were like really really good friends, and then you guys kind of fell out. I don't really know what happened, but you know you don't you guys don't have to get into that story. But I got to tell you, Sheldon like was messaging me on Facebook a lot. How's Ed? What do you know about Ed? Please let me know because I care about Ed. Those were well, your words, Sheldon. I'm very yeah. sorry. When did, when, did, when did your mother die, Sheldon? Two years ago. She was a very nice lady. She was always very gracious to me. I'm very sorry to hear that. Hmm. <laughs> How's yeah. your father? Your father must he's be still, He's still around. He must be well into his 90s. Yeah. How did the accident happen? 
Well, the, the accident happened, as I was telling. Uh, I acted in three movies on the same day with John Link out in Long Island, about 150 miles from my home. I did a mummy movie in the morning called Lace Bond, which is uh, written and directed by uh, Nicole Oliva and, and John Sheehan. And then in the afternoon, John Link and I met up with James Balsamo to shoot some scenes for his vampire comedy, Fight School. In which, uh, in which John, in which I play Count Claudeau, the the, uh, the dean of the Vampire Academy, and, and John Link plays my Toady, Igor. And, and John Link is like the best Toady. I mean, John Link was born to play Toady. I mean, I mean, he, he's like the best Toady there ever was. And uh, I hope he's listening. Even you don't have any <laughs> and then, and then, in, uh, and then in the evening, we we acted in a movie uh, uh, by Dave Campfield, Piggy Zilla, Son of Piggy Zilla. It was the sequel to the the great independent horror movie Piggy Zilla, about a giant radioactive guinea pig that attacks New York City. And, uh, oh and, and, and John Link and I played a couple of bounty hunters. Who were, were hired to take down the guinea pig while the guinea pig is scaling the Empire State Building. This is not a hallucination for mm-hmm. This is a real movie. <laughs> the guinea pig is climbing the Empire State Building, and John Link and I have been hired to take down the guinea pig before he destroys the Empire State Building. But, uh,. I suppose after taking care of my father all night and singing with my band the night before, but mainly, like I said, I got no sleep. My father had a, my father should have been in the hospital. They, these motherfuckers discharged him when he was in no condition to come home. That's I mean, funny he, he, bullshit. I mean, here's an 85-year-old man paralyzed mm-hmm. in his right side and hardly able to speak. And... And you know, and, uh, and and they sent him home, and I'm taking care of him all night. But I did all these movies then with no sleep, and, and I got I got John Link home. I got him to his subway station uh, so he can make it back to his home, uh, you know, from New York City. And I, I just thought I had a lot of I thought I had a lot of energy in me. It was only it was only uh, it was actually this accident happened around midnight. It happened really Sunday night, May 31st. Probably the accident happened shortly before midnight. Uh, the cops didn't get there until after midnight. I'll tell that story later. But uh, but uh, I, I made it through the Holland Tunnel, and I, I thought I would take a break. I pulled into the Dunkin' Donuts right outside of the Holland Tunnel. But the Dunkin' Donuts is no toll. I was going to take a break there and get a coffee, a few donuts, so I could stay awake. But uh, this, this particular Dunkin' Donuts near the Holland Tunnel in Jersey City is, is just crawling with, like, junky panhandlers. And, oh, uh, man. and and uh, on on a bad night, which is usually a good night, on the warm on the warm weather nights, the lot is really full, and almost instantly, about four of them besieged my vehicle. This is like, like zombies. They were hammering on my window, all screaming, "Give me a buck! I need a dollar! Give me a buck!" And oh I was my just, God. I was like, "Fuck this!" And I just pulled into reverse. I figured if I could make it over the Pulaski Skyway, anybody who knows New York, it's a bridge that leads from Jersey City from the Holland Tunnel. Yeah. Deeper in Jersey, mm-hmm. and it's not only a couple of miles long. I figured if I could make it over the Pulaski Skyway in Linden, huh, there's another Dunkin' Donuts in the 
far more civilized neighborhood. And I yeah, figured definitely. I'll, I'll make, it, make it across the bridge, but I, I didn't make it across the bridge. It was uh, it was raining very hard that night. There was a heavy fog, and I was weary. And uh, and through the rain and the fog, uh, going over this bridge, there's construction on the bridge, so it's, it's been reduced to one lane, the breakdown lane. And uh, from the rain and the fog, suddenly the, before my eyes, there's a friggin' disabled BMW just broken down on the roadway. And there's only one lane, and, and I couldn't swerve out of the way. And I pretty much, uh, I pretty much hit this BMW with my uh, my 2010 Mercury uh, Milan at, at full speed, about 55 miles an hour. Oh my, uh, my vehicle is utterly destroyed. Uh, but I have to say, I've got to make a public service announcement. John Lee can verify this. Normally, I don't like to wear my seatbelt, and, and, and I don't care if John wears it either. But uh, but that day, there's been a lot of press in the news about the famous... You know, John Nash. Yeah, yeah the famous... Yeah. Yeah. John Nash twice. I knew John. Yep. Yeah. Dr. John Nash, who was the subject of the Oscar-winning vet film A Beautiful Mind, the mad schizophrenic mathematician professor from Princeton University who hears voices and sees things and became famous with the, It's a Beautiful Mind. Well, with, with yeah. a beautiful, he and his wife were killed in a car accident recently, and they were mainly killed because they weren't wearing their seatbelts. And if they had, they said if they had been wearing their seatbelts, they probably would have survived. But they were thrown from their vehicle, and both were died. Oh and my gosh! But that taxi driver was very bad. That taxi driver was incompetent, and he. Yeah, they, they were. They were in the back of the taxi, and, and and also, who was the newscaster, Sheldon, a couple of months ago? The famous newscaster, who was also killed by a, a an incompetent. Bob Simon. Yes, Bob, Bob Simon. And let us not forget, going back 55 years ago, 56 years ago, uh, Eddie Cochran. Eddie Cochran was in England riding in a cab with his his bride to his bride to be, or, or he, had he just married her? I forget. Twenty-one year old rock and roll legend Eddie Cochran with his partner uh, uh, Gene Vincent and his fiance were, were in a cab in England. Having the cat take them to the to the, to the docks because uh, Eddie Cochran was touring in England and he had heard uh, he had heard, when he was returning to America he had gotten the news earlier about Buddy Holly Richie Valens and uh, Big Popper dying in a plane crash and he told his manager I'm not flying home to the states mm. I'm the boat take I'm, I'm going by ship but the taxi cab driver in England who was driving him to the shipyards was drunk driving. <gasps> taxi, taxi oh, my cab, God. Taxi cab, the seatbelts weren't even required. They honestly even had them in cars in 1959. But the taxi cab never right. crashed. Yeah. Eddie Cochran right. was killed with a broken neck. Uh, Gene Smith Vincent's legs are crushed. He's a cripple yeah. for the rest of his life. And, he died at the age of 37 because his liver was just shot from all the, the, the narcotics he was taking. His, his legs were shattered. I think uh, Eddie Cochran's fiance was very seriously injured. And as it usually turns out in incidents like this, the drunk driver 
a drunk driving cab driver didn't receive a scratch. And and I don't understand what laws in England were like in the 1950s, but I understand he kills he kills one person and, and leaves two others crippled for life. And and all he did was get uh, and he was drunk drunk driving and all the cab driver got in 1959 was a was a fine of 300 pounds, uh, oh. which which, which would have been would have been at that time about nine hundred dollars American. In nineteen fifty nine, nine hundred right. bucks American. It's like getting maybe like a ten thousand dollar fine today. And he lost his yeah. cabbie license. I mean and that was his punishment. He didn't do jail time or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh but anyhow I just have to say that my public service announcement, I'm telling these long winded stories, but Lake John Lincoln verified this only because of, of the news they were hammering as Sheldon was talking about. And I want Sheldon to tell his John Nash story, but uh, uh, but uh, because of the news that they were hammering about how John Nash and his wife could have survived if they'd worn their seatbelts, I told John Lincoln, I said, look, we better wear our seatbelts today. I made John put it on. I said, you know, uh, the cops might take it us, but I don't know. Maybe we should wear seatbelts. And uh, if, I, if I wasn't wearing my seatbelt, which I seldom wear, I would be dead. I mean, the, the, the seatbelt. The impact was so severe that even with the seatbelt on, I busted my sternum. My sternum was fractured and a bunch of my ribs were bruised. But uh, they said I certainly would have gone through the windshield and and mm. killed. Oh my God! Seatbelt on. But 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 Sheldon, you know, went to Princeton University, and Sheldon Rothbaum actually had the privilege of uh, of uh, speaking with John Nash. I think having lunch with him once. So was it? It was great, great because you, you just have to do a picture of these, these two like crazy guys sitting in Princeton, you know, having coffee and sandwiches and shooting the shit. I told Sheldon that he should have like you know been practicing some ventriloquism and mm. like you know out of his mouth and saying "Hey Nash," <laughs> but that was never to be. But Sheldon, you met John Nash on two at least two occasions, right? I met him again in the, in the in the parking lot of 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 the uh, McCaffrey store, and I said, "You're John Nash," and I shook hands with him, and and shortly after that was that wasn't too long before it happened to him. And, and, was, he, was he affable? Yeah, well, he's very quiet. He only talks about math to people, you know, to professors and people who understand very advanced math. Other people, he's very, you know, he's very uh, shy and he just, you know, says hello. He's friendly, but he doesn't say anything. Are you a bit of a mathematician? Not like that. Nah, I'm not that. Nothing near that. But how's your health? Uh, My health, I, I have dialysis now. What? What? You're on dialysis? Yeah. I told you I had a bad kidney for a long time. You're only 68 years old. Yeah. Well, there are people there that are even younger. They kept me off it for seven years, but eventually I had to do it. Well, you know what you want to do. Now that we're talking on Francie's show, you, 
you got me. You got. I mean, you have to undo it. You got me deleted and blocked on Facebook after we had our spat. You should undelete and unblock me so we can connect on Facebook again. Uh, you're gonna say things against? I, did, I, I don't were know what you you're nice, Sheldon and Edward X Young. There you go. Well, I mean, if, if, he, if, he, if he if he does it on his side and opens up the tools of Facebook and undeletes and unblocks me, I, I would be friends Sheldon on Facebook again. Sheldon, the ball's in your court. I don't know. I don't know. I have a whole bunch of different people now. I don't I don't know. Well, you know me. We were friends for 12 years. We were friends for 12 years, Sheldon. Hmm. And I'm very close with your old buddy John McCormick. We're working on we've worked on a bunch of movies together, including this Bigfoot movie we're doing now. I bet Don Gentile. Lucky. But, uh, Come on, what about Don Gentile? Uh, yeah, uh, John Don Gentile came and came to the hospital. He was the one that got me out of the hospital. Really? Uh, nobody, nobody else would pick me up. Don, but but now he won't help me beyond that. Yes, uh, God, I, you know we're we're on a public radio show. The public doesn't need to know about the idiot Don Gentile. <laughs> but right. our old old friend from the telemarketing companies from years ago, uh, our old friend where I met Betsy Palmer, our old friend John McCormack, uh We've done quite a few movies together now, and we're working on this great movie. Both of it's being shot in Pennsylvania at undisclosed locations because it's a daring docudrama called Bigfoot Blood Trap. And, How about uh, David Peel? I was, singing, I was singing with David Peel two weeks ago. I'm, I'm fully part of the Lower East Side Band now. Whenever David performs, I'm in the band. We, we, David Peel and I just performed at the Joey Ramon birthday show last month on May 19th. Two years ago, the same time that my mother died, my friend Ernie Feist was in a bad car accident, and he and some two people were seriously injured, and and after that, like he is in jail for a few months now. Well, I have no intention of ending up in jail, but well, he ended up. I don't know. Some people were were injured badly, and he. I don't know why they put him in jail, but he was charged. With it. Well, I'm, I must say I'm, I'm very, uh, I, I am glad, but I'll, I'll tell more of my wreck story later, but I'm very glad that uh, the car, I mean, I, I, hit in a, I hit a disabled vehicle, but, but thankfully it was abandoned. Nobody was in the car. Mm. So I was the only person injured in this accident. I, I feel terrible if somebody got hurt. But Ernie was my best friend for a long time. He helped. He took me to the Beach Boys concert, and he got Brian Wilson's autograph for me. And he used to buy me food and drinks and everything. And and now he's in in the jail. John John Link would, and I would love to have you back on his show again, so we could have. Uh, oh, Ernie Ernie Feist runs is president of Feist Engineering in Monroe Township. But uh, I'm very sorry about Ernie. But I'm sorry to hear you're on dialysis. That's Did you ever hear sorry. Ernie? Did you know about Ernie Feist at all in the papers? It was written up. Uh, no, my, I've been very busy. I've made a 
I'm up to about 75 movies now. I think the last time we talked, I was only at about 35 movies. I, I do a lot of acting these days. Do you see any movies much? Uh, yeah. What did I see? I mean, I, I'd rather I'd rather talk about uh, some of the. I'll, I'll just tell you guys. Good movies I've seen recently. Uh, I, I really loved Abel Ferrara's Pasolini with Willem, Willem Dafoe playing the film director Pier Paolo Pasolini. Uh, mm. A magnificent film. I also uh, the movies the movies that I've seen in theaters that I've enjoyed. I really I'm, I must admit I, I I really am getting very sick of like the A list the Hollywood films. I really only like indie movies, but the bigger films uh, I really love Pasolini with Willem Dafoe playing Pier Paolo Pasolini. A bold and magnificent picture, uh, and these are these are the only movies I will endorse that I've seen in theaters in, in the past year or so. Uh, I also really enjoyed uh, David Cronenberg's Maps to the Stars. Uh, his, even though it's not a horror film, it's about Hollywood. It's David Cronenberg's. I didn't, I didn't get to see that. That, that left. It's the darkest film ever, and I joked with David Cronenberg because uh, I was hanging out with him. I said, David, I thought I thought you said a couple of years ago you were you were giving up on the horror genre. I said, well, what the hell is this? And, and, and he said, this was a, a, a feel-good movie, Ed. <laughs> I mean, it's just a great scene in Maps to the Stars where Juliet. I mean, Juliet Moore just got the just got the Oscar for what? Still Alice, or I think she played somebody yeah. with Alfred. But in Maps to the Stars, she's got this incredible scene. Where she's getting brutally sodomized and just loves it, and uh, you know, by, by her chauffeur, and and that scene should have earned her the Oscar. <laughs> it's a really. I'm going to see Jurassic movie. World this week in 3D. And, and, there and you also, go. But also, I, I also I really loved. I really, as far as mainstream movies go, I really loved Whiplash with J.K. Simmons. As I saw that. And I got, to hang, I got to hang out with Simmons, too, at the New York Film Festival. Yeah. They really, for all the nasty villains he plays, like what he, with the character he played on Oz and Schillinger, I mean, he is a really nice, humble, humble guy. Uh, How about Birdman with Michael Keaton? I haven't seen it. The only, the only Hollywood movie I would endorse that I've seen, I, I loved the interview. I love the interview, the, the comedy of that show. The killing. interview uh, was fantastic. With who? Yeah. Who's in that? Who's in that? James Franco and Seth Rogen. Hmm. I, I haven't laughed so hard in the movie theater in years. <laughs> I saw a funny movie. The hundred-year-old man who climbed out the window and disappeared in Swedish. It certainly sounds like your life, Sheldon. It's pretty funny. Anyhow, who else do we have on the line, Francie? Hmm. Francie. What's, what's Mr. Link doing in the background, not Tom? I'm here. I'm, I'm here. Wait, no, no, really, really, huh? about the accident. Mr. Link was the last person to see me in one piece. I, I yeah. dropped him off. I, I I dropped him off at the subway stations, and and within 15 minutes I was in the accident. He was the very last person to see me before my body was shattered in this accident. Where's John's brother? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
But then you're well, John. Was that was that yeah. looking tired when we parted the company? Yeah, yeah, you are, yeah. You should have said something. You should have said, don't drive home. I saw you yeah. walk back into autos. I thought you are gonna, you are going to hang out there a while. Uh, I just wanted to say goodbye to Bob George and to Frankie Wood. I mean, yeah. uh, Frankie Wood is the great, Frankie Wood is the great impresario of punk rock music in New York City. I must say, uh, I, 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 I get down on one knee, you know, I kiss Frank Wood's rig when I see him. He's like Il Padron. But there, <laughs> there would be there would be no rock and roll in New York right now. Mm. I mean, the rock and roll scene in New York is in danger, and the punk rock scene could easily fade away. But mm. it's kept alive and well due entirely to the great Frank Wood. And you mm. can't leave Otto's without walking. Otto's shrunken head is club in New York. You can't leave without... Stepping inside to pay your respects, say your for the capo of punk rock. Uh, Frank, Frank, what is somebody who should be a guest on your show in the future, Francie? Mm-hmm. He looks like Santa Claus, and he's got a voice like a cement mixer. Mm-hmm. Where's the pork pie hat? Mm-hmm. But he, he, yeah. he, I mean, he. He looks like a character out of a out of a Martin Scorsese gangster movie, and and he would he would appreciate me saying that, but but he is the the, the great like I said the great impresario keeping rock and roll and independent music alive and thriving, keeping the old bands going and and, and always opening a door in his venues to the, the new young bands hitting the scene people that otherwise wouldn't stand a chance to get noticed. And a lot of people owe their owe their music careers to Frank Wood. He's a dear friend, and uh, and he, of course, you know, I got to call him back. He he called me when I was under some heavy morphine, wishing me well in a voicemail message. And uh, I've got to reach out to Frank Wood tomorrow. I'm glad I remembered that by bringing him up. But do we have anybody else? Hey, Edward, I'm checking out your car here. The pictures of your car. Oh, you're seeing the pictures? I, I posted yeah, I'm looking at them right now. Pictures. Oh, my God. Yeah. There, that, that's there just there, insane. There ain't much left of that car. No, I mean, you're lucky. It looks like the front end was just pushed all the way back almost. Yes. Uh, the, uh, in fact, it was tough for me squeezing out of the car because the, uh, I mean, nothing, thank God, my legs didn't break. But mm. the, the entire dashboard was pushed in, and it made contact with my knees. Oh, yeah, and, you can tell. Both, both, both you are my so shins, lucky. Both of my shins currently, uh, it's because my arm is shattered and, and my breastbone hurts, and it hurts with every breath I take. It's really... Oh, I bet. It really pisses me off. They told me it could take six months to a year for my breastbone to heal, and I can't, I can't even conceivably sing, so I had to tell my friend David Peel of the Lower East Side Band, I had to tell him that I, I can't sing with the band for months. Uh, singing is not possible, and, and I love Cat. Everybody that knows me knows that I love karaoke. I'm part of a, a vibrant mm-hmm. karaoke community on the Jersey Shore, but that's uh-huh. probably, uh-huh. Until, probably until next year, because I, I could not sing a song at a high volume. Mm-hmm. But my... Both of my shins are, are even now, two weeks later, black and blue with gigantic lumps on them. Mm, and they wow. Did, I got a full we body cast. You got a full body cast on? 
No, no, they gave me a full body CAT scan. Oh. So I, 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 was, I was exposed to a lot of radiation, which will oh. probably give me, which will probably give me cancer and kill me. Because either that hand, or you'll gl- either that or you'll start glowing in the dark. Now, yeah. you, your cat, the CAT scan is getting the equivalent. Of, they said it's the amount of radiation you receive in a CAT scan is the equivalent of about 500 X-rays. Wow. Yeah, they had, had to do it, but they they were concerned because my shins were bleeding. They broke the skin and it was bruised, and they were. They were concerned that I had two broken legs, but they said, you're, oh. you're lucky. You just bruised your shin bones badly, but they weren't fractured. So I am able to walk. So I, I could have, okay. I, my, my arm yeah. is at a complete unbendable cast, and it's really oh. uncomfortable. Because the way my arm is at a cast, I mean, well, I'll tell you, my, my arm was broken. If you look at the pictures on Facebook. Yeah, uh, look at them. The, the cops were concerned the windshield was snatched from the inside out. They were they were concerned that my head hit the windshield, and, and uh-huh. if it had, I'd be dead. They were in a coma. Uh, but what what I did was when the, when, the, when I saw the accident, it was unavoidable. I I preserved my good looks by throwing my right arm in front of my face. It was my right arm that made impact with the windshield. Wow. And, uh, that that was in your head. What's that? That was in your head? Yeah, when I seen the photos, I was like, wow, that's, wow. That was my head, I'd be either in a coma or in the grave. That was my forearm what? and my right forearm, and I'm right-handed. Ah, oh, that makes it hurt. My, my, my right arm, this is going to be the saddest and most difficult part. I mean, I'm, a, I'm right-handed, and I'm also an artist, too. And, and, and oh. I was learning to play the guitar recently, but my, my right arm was just shattered. It was broken in five places, and my wrist was oh. totally dislocated. And, uh, and oh. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to be after recovery, but I've already, the cast is a full arm cast, so I can only sleep on my back, and I'm not a back sleeper. I sleep on my side. It's extremely I difficult. hear you on that one. But, uh, yeah, and it's kind of like you sleep on your like, fuck, you wake up yeah. and fuck, that hurts. But mm-hmm. what really yep. is that they had yeah. to put a. They had to put a. Just to do a little bit of humor with those photos. Why was your windshield wiper up? Yeah, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate that. Well, that was like the first thing I noticed. I was like, okay, Ed's head goes through the windshield and his windshield wiper raises. What's up with that? Did you notice that when you. Well, it's because the accident did occur in the middle of heavy rain and fog. I had the windshield wipers on when the accident occurred. Oh, um, so you had them on the... Oh, okay, so you had them on, like, uh, the yeah. one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Yeah, well, well, when now we know occurred, when you crashed. The accident occurred in the middle of a pouring rainstorm, and, and it was wow. a very heavy fog. And as I said, the Pulaski Skyway... Which, if anybody knows the area, this, this bridge has been around. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Well, it was built in, I think, 1922. Sheldon might know because he's already uh-huh. an adult. Uh, uh, but <laughs> I think we 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 dropped. I think Sheldon's called dropped. I don't because I seen mm-hmm. that it's called Sheldon. Are you there? Yeah, he's called dropped. Yeah, and uh, get back to what happened when you crawled out of the car. Well, I'll, I'll tell the story. So, I mean, this accident occurred. This was the horrible part of the accident. This accident occurred in the middle of the pouring rain and fog. And uh, I 
into the back of this disabled vehicle, which turns out had a flat tire. It was a BMW. This is a, the Pulaski Skyway is a narrow, rickety bridge, which is under a lot of construction. Yeah. The, uh, the northbound side is totally shut down. It's only operating southbound on one lane. So when I saw this accident, I, I just I just couldn't pull out of the out of the way fast enough. But fortunately, the the guys who were in the vehicle, three of them were out of the vehicle, um, actually just smoking cigarettes, leaning on the railing of the bridge with their disabled car in the middle of the roadway. And everybody says that smoking kills. Well, yeah, yeah, I know, smoking, right? Smoking saved these guys. They would have been hurt if they were in the vehicle. Smoking the cigarettes mm. saved these guys. <laughs> No kidding. So you got out of the car, and then what happened? Well, this is the horrible part. This is the ugly, ugly part of the story. Uh, I made this impact almost at full speed. My car was utterly destroyed, and, and I, I did lose consciousness for a moment. My, so my arm is shattered. My breastbone is fractured. Uh, I wasn't sure if my legs were broken or not, but I, I kind of passed out. I came to, and and I could smell the gasoline leaking out of the car, and, and I could still. I, I, it's, it's really amazing. In my room right now, back at home, I have clothes that were in that vehicle, and they're hanging on the door, and, and they still reek from the chemical of from, from the airbags that exploded. I could still smell the airbag in my room. I got. Wow. I got to yeah. get. I have, I had a suit in the car. I got to get it to the dry cleaner because the suit is reeking of the smell of the airbag chemical. And uh, they do estimate that they, they, they the cops estimate the doctors estimated that probably my my sternum, the breastbone, probably got broken from the airbag going off from the plate flying off the steering wheel and hitting me in the chest. That's probably because I had my yeah. seatbelt on. I was like, how could I have broken my breastbone if I had my seatbelt on? That it was probably the airbag, but but this is the horrible thing. I'm I'm in my car. This makes me quite mad. And like one of the windows is knocked out. I'm in my car, and I look over, and I as I sort of come to, I I see the guys whose car is hit, and, and uh, they're they're all laughing like a joke, and, and they're they're foreigners. I'm not sure what country they were from, but they're talking to each other in some foreign language. And these are the, the, the types of characters. They get like like silk shirts open down to the navel, hairy chest, lots of gold jewelry around the neck, and, and they're like smoking their cigarettes. And, and like I said, it's a joke. And I look over at them, and I'm obviously very hurt. And, and um, uh, my arm being broken because it hit the windshield. My arms are also all cut up, and so I'm, I'm bleeding all over the place. And, and I bit, and, and I can see myself in the rearview mirror, which is hanging cockeyed. But I, I bit down in my tongue really hard too, and and I was bleeding, I was bleeding profusely from the mouth. Now I, I could tell that I could tell that my that something had happened to my chest because I dropped my sternum and my chest hurt really bad. But I saw the blood coming out of my mouth, and I, I was convinced, as cops were later on, I was convinced that broken ribs and they punctured my lungs. I really thought I was dying. I really thought I was dying. And I look over at these guys and I, and I say to them, uh, I say, you, you called the cops, right? 911, you, 
got an ambulance. I'm hurt really bad. I'm, I'm really hurt bad. I might be dying. Help me be called an ambulance. <laughs> just, just look at each other, and they go and they laugh. And then one of the guys says, "We know to speak English." Ha 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 ha. And I'm like, "Oh my wow. God!" I'm, I, but you know, it's a certain universal language. I, I hold well, my right arm is just shattered. Like I told you, I looked down and I thought I thought my hand had been severed because my my right hand was completely dislocated from the wrist, so it was hanging off my wrist sideways. And and I was I was convinced that oh my god, I think my hand has been cut off. But I I I held my left hand to my ear like a cell phone, and I was like nine one one, you cops, police, police. I'm saying the word police in every language I could think of, and these guys are just giggling and saying, no, speak English, and then they're back to their conversation, you know, goo-ba-goo, ba-ba-ba-boo, boo-ba-doo-goo-ba-goo, and like laughing, ha-ha-ha-ha, ha-ha-ha-ha, and I could see the clock on the car, and I could smell the gasoline, and I'm thinking they must they must have, they couldn't just be sitting here smoking cigarettes with a disabled car, they they must have called the cops, and about 20 minutes goes by, and... uh and there's no cops. There's no cops. No ambulance. And I and I'm I'm looking and blood is like spilling out of my mouth. I'm convinced I'm dying. It's getting hard to breathe. And I realize these these fucking idiots. They haven't called the police. And, and so what I do is uh, I'm not even sure if I can walk. My legs are hurting. Give a sip of my drink here. One moment. I need a sip of my drink. I must admit I'm, I, I need it. I'm drinking Paps Blue Ribbon and I'm on morphine. Probably not a good mix, but. It ain't killing me. <laughs> hey, if it works, go for it. Do it, do it. You know, Blue Ribbon. I always think of that scene from Blue Velvet when they ask Kyle <laughs> Michael, Dennis Hopper asks Kyle McLaughlin what he wants to drink, and he goes, oh, I'm a Heineken. And Dennis Hopper says, who could quote him? Who knows what I'm talking about? What does Dennis Hopper say when Kyle asks for a Heineken? He says, Heineken, fuck that shit. Paps Blue Ribbon. Hey, keep your hands <laughs> up, my <laughs> Yeah, Heineken, fuck that shit. Ah, <laughs> and so that's what I'm drinking right now. I'm, I'm, yes, this is quite a night sitting at home with the air conditioner broken in my home. It's about a hundred. I, I was partying uh, with a couple of friends from work, and uh, we sent one of the guys on a beer run, and we were like, "Look, we'll drive you," and he's like, "No, I'll walk." So we waited like 30 minutes for him to show up, and he shows up with the caps of blue ribbon, and I'm like, seriously. You come back after 30 minutes, and you're bringing us half blue ribbon. Are you insane? Who does that? <laughs> well, yeah, we we drank it, but seriously, who shows up with half blue ribbon? Is like maybe Bush or something like that. There's a half. A makeup artist who visited me, Liz Penzinger, who used to work, who's working on, uh, working on uh, Chris Allenstein's movie. Uh, well, she worked on The Soulless as a makeup artist, and she's working on our our, our uh, Jersey Devil movie called The Shadows of the Forest. But but she wanted to oh, do me a favor and she said, "Can I bring you anything?" I said, "Beer." And she goes, "I'll buy you some beer." And she goes, "What time should I buy you?" Now she. She would have bought anything, but I know she's a, she's a struggling artist, a makeup artist. I said, look, I said, just buy me the cheapest beer you can find. I said, you know, I'm at the point where, like, any damn beer would do me good. I'm insane. I, I, please yeah. don't, don't spend a lot of money. Give me just the cheapest beer you can find. Get back with that blue ribbon. 
But, uh, then, yeah, back to my horror story, uh, I realize these jokers have not called the cops, and I'm very fearful that I'm dying. And, and I, uh, and I realize if I, if I don't do something, I might, I, I'm, as far as I knew, I, I knew my, I thought my my hand was cut off, and I was convinced that I was bleeding from the lungs, because blood was coming out of my mouth, it was because of my tongue. But my, 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 my sternum is broken, but I'm in, I'm in agony, I'm in horrible pain. And, and I could smell the gasoline. In fact, the, the fire department came and they were in, they they stopped the traffic because gas was spilling out from under my car. And and I uh, with no ambulance up to 20 minutes, I I just kicked the door to my car open, the driver's side, and I got out. I, I actually was like, oh my god, I could walk. I felt like uh, I felt like Peter Sellers and Doctor Strangelove, like my Führer, I can walk. <laughs> and I uh, <laughs> and then I. I, I I, I encountered the horror of trying to flag. I mean, here I am. I'm covered with blood. My arm looks like a fusil. It's so broken in so many places. And I'm trying to, obviously, I'm badly injured, and, I, and I'm trying to flag down a car, and I'm getting people driving past me, giving me the finger, and yelling, get out of the road, you fucking asshole, and, like, dude, and like blaring their horns. No, I mean, it was a, oh a typical God. New York metropolitan area horror story about unconcerned Know, bad Samaritans or unconcerned citizens. Finally, this yeah. woman, this woman stopped and she pulled over and she said, "What's wrong?" And I, I said, "I've just been hurt very badly in a car accident. I really need medical help fast." And she said, "Well, who are those guys?" I said, "They were in the car I hit." She goes, "They, they called the cops." I said, "No, they're idiots. They're foreigners. I don't know what friggin' country they're from, but they're just laughing. This is a joke." And she said, "Don't, don't worry. Don't, don't worry, Allah." I will call 911 immediately and report where you are. And, but it, it took me about a dozen cars before somebody actually said, "What's your problem?" And, and then wow. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get back in my car. I, I could barely walk. I was in agony, and I, I didn't want to get back in the car on the driver's side, except the side that the cars were speeding by, coming trying to come around me. So I, I walked around to the passenger side where the guys are just smoking cigarettes and continuing to laugh at me. This makes me really mad, but I, I pulled open the passenger side door and sat on the passenger side, and, and sure enough, uh, you know, the ambulance and the cops arrived in short order, and uh, they kept on wanting to know who the driver of the car was, and I kept on saying, it's me, and they said, but you're in the passenger side, <laughs> and they could see how badly injured I was. I said, that's because I walked over, and they weren't getting it, they weren't getting it, I, and, and, and they really were confusing me, too, because they were... They were shouting at me like, "How much have you had to drink? What kind of drugs are you on?" And I, it was neither. I mean, I was working on a film set with John Link, and I was just working. I kept insisting to them, "I'm not on any drugs. I didn't have anything to drink." And uh, but that was rather disturbing. And uh, but anyhow, they uh, they did they did get me out of there. And even the cops looked at me. That's that's when I really got scared. Uh, the, the, cop, the cops looked at me and, and, I, and they saw that I was. I told them. I said they saw my arm and they were like, "Oh, jeez." And then they, cause my arm looked was just my, my arm was like broken in so many places, and, and my, my wrist looked my hand looked like it was going to fall off my wrist. But but I told them. I said my chest is hurting really bad, and they tore open my shirt. And they could see that it was bruised and black and blue, and you, know, you might have some busted ribs there. And then when they saw the blood coming out of my mouth, I heard one cop walk to the other, and he said, "I think this guy's got punctured lungs." Is, uh, you know, and then there was a traffic jam, and he said, "You know, you don't get this guy to a hospital, that he's going to die." And uh, I heard them say that, and that really scared the living hell out of me. No, and, no uh, kidding. 
and, and then I, I uh, oh, the thing is, I, I had to flag a woman down because I couldn't find my cell phone uh, in the wreck because everything was flying in the car. But when I, uh, when I got into the passenger side, I realized my cell phone was on the floor of the passenger side. So when I was waiting there, uh, for, and I really was needing morphine bad, but I, I, I was trying to call somebody. I figured, I, I, I just heard the cops say, it looks like this guy's dying. He looks like he's bleeding from the lungs. And I, I just randomly, I couldn't even see because I lost my eyeglasses in the mess, too. I couldn't even see what the hell was going on. But I, uh, I uh, just pressed my phone any one of the speed dial numbers I could press. I figured I got to get a hold of somebody. And uh, miraculously, the speed dial number I hit was our, our very own Cameron Scott. And uh, that was how I was able to break the news. I, I told Cameron, I told Cameron, you know, filmmaker, friend of ours from this show, Cameron has his own blog talk radio show, Road to Midian. And Cameron, Cameron of course, directed Susie Palermo and I and Sean Lincoln, his movie, uh, Postmortem America 2021, starring Linnea Quigley, his zombie western. But... Uh, and, and Cameron also was my cameraman and editor on the one movie I've directed, Two Guys, One Box, starring John Link, who's still with us. You there, John, right? Yeah, I'm here. So, uh, <laughs> but anyhow, uh, I hit the speed dial because I couldn't even see without my glasses to dial, and I just was lucky enough to get Cameron. And I told Cameron, you know, flat out, you might be the last person I ever talked to. And I, and I said, I don't know what's going to happen to me, but I'm leaving it in your hands to report to the world through Facebook so people know. But, you know, I was in a serious car accident in you know, Newark, New Jersey, you know, in Car- Carney, actually, out by the Newark. And, and the cops mm-hmm. didn't say to be the university hospital in Newark, which fortunately, fortunately does boast. I, I hope he put me together right, because they told me I was very lucky that the surgeon I was getting is one of the best orthopedic surgeons in the state. And uh, nice. my, I hope I'm in good shape. But, but my arm is a mess, and it's driving me crazy with this cast. Uh, but, uh, but I know that uh, one of my bones was so pulverized, they had to replace it with two, two inches had to be replaced with a steel rod. And, and the other bone in my forearm has got two, two separate plates in it holding it together. And when, wow. they, put my wrist, when they put my wrist together, at, at points north, south, and west, I've got like I saw it when they changed the cast to the hospital. I have like Frankenstein bolts in, in my wrist at, at, at each four points. I mean, like like a bolt, like Frankenstein in his neck. It's outside the skin and it goes inside all the way down to the bone, like a pin holding my, my arm in place. And, and those fucking pins hurt because if I'm moving around in the cast and I, I move in the wrong direction. Any wrong direction, one of them bites me, and it doesn't feel good. Um, but yeah, I'm alive and shattered. I'm alive and shattered, and like I said, you know, a lot of people. I'll tell more stories. I'll let other people talk, and I'll get back to it. I want to tell some stories. Let me just say, Edward. Um, first of all, I am so happy that you're alive, and because I do consider you. When I tell you every time I hang up with you, I love you. It's because I mean it. Okay? I, I love, love you to death. I love and you too for you, I, and John Link, and and I'm going to bring up Cameron too. I mean, we've been through a lot of stuff, and we're not going to get into it, but we've been through a lot of stuff together, and 
By the way, uh, let, let me give a little shout-out to uh, Cameron Scott real quick. Congratulations to his two younger brothers who just graduated high school. Woohoo! I, I, I remember talking to him about and how young they were, and now they're graduating. And, oh, my gosh, that makes you feel so old. It is hard to believe but, that time. Yeah, Cameron Scott, John Link, Edward, and you mentioned Susie Plermo. I mean, such a magnificent woman. Beautiful uh, woman, as a matter of fact, both inside and out. And, you know... I will say, I love you too, Francine. I'd be on your show more often, but, you know, your shows are Sunday night. Well, you're a busy man. You're a very, very busy man. Well, it's, 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 a, it's always a it's eleven o'clock on a Sunday night, and I do have I a know. day job. I do have a day job here. It's eleven o'clock on the East Coast. It's eight o'clock your time. It's eleven o'clock. Yeah, I'm, on, yeah. I'm on your I'm on your time because I'm in Pennsylvania, so I I understand that. I'm up late every night, so it don't matter. No. John John Link should be at more often though because he he you know doesn't have a uh, job. Yeah yeah. In fact, um, John is usually on every night except for the night that you were in your accident, and yeah. it was weird because it was like I even talked to Nick like the next day. I was like, John Link wasn't on the show last night because you're that's always that's missed, that's John. That's and that's then I was out. I was out with with Ed. Yeah, and I seen David Madison's post, and I was like, oh, no. And, you know, I did. I mean, sincerely, I'm I'm really glad that that I was alone in the car, because, like I said, if if John Link was with me and he'd been hurt, I'd really be heartbroken if I I felt for John getting hurt. One one thing that I'm, I'm happy about, and... I definitely want to tell you this sincerely is that I'm glad you're not dead <laughs> because that totally freaks me out. I got to admit though, I got to admit though, I was uh, like I said, uh, with everything that's happened to me in recent years and watching the love of my life slowly die before my eyes. I mean, uh, I, I got to admit, I, I need a lot of moral support because the, the first reaction I had when I woke up in the car after the accident and I realized I've been in an accident was like. Why the fuck did I survive this? That was my first reaction. Well, why am I alive? Why couldn't this just all have been over? But, uh, I'll tell you why you're alive. Because you're, you're probably one of the most strongest people I've met. Even when you slip, slip in the pee in the men's room. Come on. You know I got a dog on you for that. Yeah. Remember when you but slipped on the pee in the men's room? But I, but I, but I have to emphasize that this, this, uh, I mean, the, the, the world of the normals, as John Lincoln attests to, you know, our, our thing, our horror movie thing, our horror genre world, a lot of people think we're, these are dangerous, nasty, mean people. We, we live in a world of, like, you know, monsters and ghouls and, and full violence. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, I mean, the greatest out of support and love and compassion and the visitors I received at the hospital were almost entirely from the horror genre world. I mean, as I said, Dave Madison was the... Dave Madison, despite whatever, you know, bickerings we might have with our artistic differences, he rushed to my side when he found out. You know, Cameron exactly. spread the word. 
And he was first person to post on Facebook that I seen of. I don't know who else did, but he was the first person I see. And then everything just kept pouring in. The, I think what you're about to say is that the horror world sticks together. And well, when somebody's down and out. Well, people people who came to visit me, I mean, Dave Madison and then uh, Tom Ryan. Well, this is very sad. Dave Madison comes and tells me that Betsy Palmer died on the same day as my accident. But then uh, I was supposed to be going the following weekend. I was supposed to be traveling with uh, the film director, Thomas Ryan, to uh, the Horror Hotel Convention in Cleveland, Ohio, where they were showing our movie Faces. We were going to be sharing a room together in a table, and, and Tom Ryan rushed out to see me next and uh, and uh, told me terrible news, terrible news, that the day after my accident, uh, a, a lovely young actress from here in the New York area, the New York, New Jersey area, Cheryl Downey, only 37 years old, and she looked a lot like Marilyn Monroe. She used to do a Marilyn Monroe impersonation act. We've done four movies together, including... Uh, Including Sheriff Tom versus the Zombies and Witch's Blood, and and she was slated. Uh, she was already in negotiations. She had been talking to Chris Ellenstein a few days earlier. She was slated for a role in uh, Shadows of the Forest. Chris Ellenstein's new movie is Jersey Devil Fantasy, where she was going to play a Jersey Devil creature, and and I was going to play a, a human who befriended her, and we were going to have a great scene together, but. But uh, Cheryl was a dear friend of mine and a co-star, and within 24 hours of me getting almost killed, Cheryl got killed in an accident. Aww. And, uh, you know, it, it, I just couldn't, well, Tom Ryan came and he said, you know, I know you're, he said, I know you're, you're, you're in really bad shape, and he said, I, I, I'm coming here to cheer you up, I, I hate to bring you bad news, but if you don't hear it from me, you're going to hear it from somebody else. He told me that Cheryl had been killed, and a lovely young woman. You know, so I guess you know, she wasn't as lucky as me. And uh, but uh, but I'm saying the people who came, I mean, were all, most of my supporters were horror movie people. You know, uh, David Lee Madison was the first guy there, and, and Tom Ryan was there, and and, uh, and I didn't have a chance to see him, but I want to give my love to Todd Darush. He runs the Grindhouse festivals here in New Jersey. Grindhouse Night Film Festivals in Union, New Jersey, four times a year. He was very, very close friends with Cheryl, and I understand that Tom rushed to the hospital, but I was undergoing surgery when he was there, and I, I heard that he hung out for about two hours, but I hadn't regained consciousness. But he was there on the heels of receiving the news that our mutual friend Cheryl had been killed in an accident, and, and yet he came to see me, and I know that they were they were as close as family. I know that he was really shattered by this, but yet he still came to try to lend me his support and left a note for me. So at least I know he was there, but I hadn't regained nice. consciousness. But from the fog, from the fog in the OR, and I woke up really scared because I'll tell you, uh, I mean, you, you wake up from surgery. I, I was in a state of amnesia. I woke up and, and did not know where I was or why I was there and had momentarily no memories of the accident. Uh, but, uh, but two of my horror movie friends, uh, uh, Jay Stoddard was there when I was in recovery, a great makeup artist, and, uh, and, and she's a great friend of Dennis Carter Jr., who's part of our circle, and also Taryn Anderson, who's a photographer. Uh, from the horror movie scene, they they were both there 
when I woke up. And Genevieve Rossi. That's right. Well, Genevieve Rossi came to visit me. Uh, Genevieve Rossi, my most frequent female co-star, my favorite co-star. Well, she and John, John Link and I have worked together on about, we're, we're now, John Link and I are now up to 22 movies we've made together. 22. Wow. And, uh, but Genevieve Rossi and I have been in, I think, 16. She ranks second, but more than any other actress. And, she she rushed to my side to see me. Brought her friend Teresa Tanzi with her, and uh, our Cage Paige Hopkins, who plays a wonderful actor, who's who's one of our Bigfoots in the Bigfoot movie, and also he plays uh, one of my evil henchmen in the Bigfoot movie. That uh, uh, he's a wonderful makeup artist. He he was there on the scene. Uh, David Horowitz, who I worked in the movie Mega Man with, and and, uh, and Midnight Spell. And all these horror people, uh, um, I don't want to leave any names out. Uh, who else came there? Let me think. Uh, Pete Jackalone, who directed me in The Green Monster. Uh, Pete Jackalone was there, and, uh, oh, God, there were people who were there when I wasn't awake. I'm trying to think who else. But uh, regardless, uh, my Facebook page, I was so thrilled. It was filled up with so many well wishes. I haven't read them all, but, but, but even outside of the indie world, some of the earliest messages I got, I, I, a letter from Bill, a, 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 an email from Bill Mosley, posting on my Facebook page, Bill Mosley encouraging me and wishing me the best. But then, uh, Bill Mosley, of course, star of The Devil's Rejects, House of a Thousand Corpses, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, and he lives in L.A., and he reached out to me immediately. He was one of the very first readings I got, and uh, Linnea Quigley herself, he wonderful trash from Return of the Living Dead sent me a very loving letter and, and, and well wishes and uh, uh, our favorite Francie Conrad Brooks has already called me he's called me pretty much every other day since this happened to me mm, uh, our wonderful friend Conrad Brooks mm-hmm. is a, the, last, the last surviving member of the Edward Wood crew from Plan 9 mm-hmm. from Outer Space the take two, right? And, and, and Conrad, you can hear me, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, but Con, Conrad has been delightfully fatherly to, fatherly to me in his affection. He's like, Eddie, my boy, Edward, my boy, my son, you know, you got to get well because, you know, we got to do another movie together. We've been in quite a few, but we're never in the same scene, and and you're not allowed to check out of this world until you and I are in a movie where we're in the scene at the same time. And mm-hmm. you better get better, and you better get one of your filmmaker friends to drive you out here to West Virginia so we can be in a picture together. So Conrad Cod- has been really, really sweet. <laughs> that means a lot to me. But uh, and also um, a lot of the a lot of the original Romero crew, uh, Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, Jim Crutch, who's the helicopter zombie. The original Dawn of the Dead has contacted me many times, and uh, and, and in addition to greetings from Brian O'Halloran, you know, who's you know, Dante and Clerks and Gachi Afo, uh, uh, members. Uh, oh, oh, anybody here remember Uncle Floyd, or is that so, so yeah. New Jersey? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Scott, Scott Gordon, Looney Skipperoni, and their wives. Uh, I mean, they they have uh, Charlie Stoddard. They've all reached out Wait, to me. Wait, Conrad they, Brooks is in Sacramento? No, oh, he's right, in, in Virginia. Virginia. 
Should we call uh, him? No. What's that? Should we call Conrad Brooks for old times? No. No. Conrad? <laughs> you should, I, I don't think you should bother Conrad at this hour. He, 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 oh, okay. Uh, but he's so fun. He's always so cooperative. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I, uh, we already talked earlier today. And he, I, I wouldn't want to think I was exploiting him. I do want to talk to Conrad and Michelle again. Uh, but well, I, probably tonight is the night to bug the guy. The thing is, we'd have to call him when your show begins at 11. Because it's already yeah. quarter to one. Yeah, it, to one, it's so always funny. Um yeah, when when I tell him, I'm like, uh, Conrad, I gotta tell you that we're live on the air, and he's like, okay, so you're not dead. <laughs> so we always have to tell him that, you know, so he's I'm, on I'm the never, I'm never gonna forget God. this terrible. Uh, I'm never gonna forget this terrible time because we lost Becky Palmer, we lost Cheryl Downey, we lost Sir Christopher Lee, one of my childhood yeah, heroes. Well, Christopher actually died Sunday night, but his wife wanted to contact all the family members first before they released it. So he actually died Sunday night. And also, we, we lost the great Vincent Bugliosi, the great prosecuting attorney. We did. Yeah, that's right. I just heard about that. i got to tell you guys a little secret. Uh, this is how David Lee Madison always saves me. Um I was supposed to have Courtney Gaines on the show, and Courtney was not calling on and calling in. And in fact, uh, John Link, this was the famous um, show that you and Giovanni from Hell's Kitchen season four was talking about the Red Snapper. Oh, Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah. And I was trying yeah. to get Courtney Gaines on the show. Um, but guess who was on the switchboard waiting to call in? Oh. And David Madison let me know the next morning. He was like, you know, you were having problems on your show. I was listening. Why didn't you pick up on me? And it's because I wasn't looking at my switchboard. It's because I was looking at my phone trying to figure out why Courtney Gaines has not called into my show. And I accidentally went on my show to call Courtney Gaines and then, well, apparently he was watching a soccer game that was going on with his friends, and he won. It's no fault of his, really. But David Lee Madison messaged me on Facebook the next day, and he was like, why didn't you pick up the phone? I was on your switchboard. And I was like, I'm sorry, I wasn't looking on my switchboard. He's like, you need to look at your switchboard more because I was calling in. And I had... Sir Christopher Lee on hold waiting to talk to you to fill in for Courtney oh. Gaines. Yeah, shoot yourself in the head, right? Mm. I told that to Nick, and Nick was shooting me in the head, literally. He was like, really? Oh. Really? You're trying to get Courtney Gaines on the show, and you had Christopher Lee on hold? Yeah, I'm going to shoot you. But, mm. that, you know, that's why... David Lee Madison, he is totally incredible, and yeah. you know, I I met I met uh, David basically through like Edward and Thomas mm-hmm. Churchill and everything, but uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I I could have interviewed Sir Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. If I would have just John, he want to he want to play that little snapper thing. No, please don't. That and, was and really cute. I forgot. I forgot. What was the, the red snapper story again? You've never heard it. Oh my gosh, this is so cute. It is can, really really cute. Hold I on, you've got to hear this. I wonder a lot of morphine, but I don't know if it was a funny story with Link. Yeah, you've got to hear the red snapper. This is so cute. Here it is. John Link and uh, Giovanni from Hell's Kitchen, Season 4. I'm trying to call Courtney Gaines, and I had no idea this conversation was going on, and it was so cute. It's on my John John Link clips. Here it goes. After this, I'll yeah, I I got a question. We got an answer. Well, is it is Red Snapper a fish or a turtle? It's a vegetable. Is it? I didn't know that. I thought it, I, first I thought it was a turtle, then a fish. Finally, it's a vegetable. Hmm. Just, just, it's a very nice vegetable. You gotta eat it fresh. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. To the bottom of the ocean, though, you gotta go diving, and you gotta oh. grab it with your hands, and then you come oh, home. Oh, well. <laughs> you gotta be careful, because these are the kind of vegetables the sharks like to eat. Ooh. So if you got that kind of vegetable in your hand, a shark might come and get you. Wow. <laughs> and yet, another great sound clip for the John Link fans. <laughs> Ed, Ed, this is a very important question for John because the last time that we were on the air with John, the last thing that we heard. All right, all right. Yeah, that that was that was actually a great clip. And I do believe that Red uh, Ed, Edward tell us is what is What's Red that? Snapper? I think it's a fish. Well, well, I, a I, fish. Have a, I have a Red Snapper story. A joke, a Red Snapper joke. What? Can you hear, can no. you hear me? Yeah. So, this, so this, this this prostitute goes out on a, on a shipping cruise with a, a ship with a with a boat with a whole bunch of guys on it. And at the end of the day, when they came back, the guys didn't catch anything, but the prostitute had a red snapper. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Tell the joke again. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I wasn't so now it's a prostitute. Red snapper is a prostitute? So the, the guy, at the end of the, the day, the boat came back to dock. The guys didn't catch anything, but the prostitute had a red snapper. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, John, the red snapper is very complicated. How is it? Remember, John, John Lake's favorite meal is long pig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so and get back to what happened when the when the ambulance came. Well, oh, I, I will I will tell you I will tell you all your time. I will tell you a rather gruesome but very interesting story. I mean, well, the ambulance got there and they 
I mean, I, I mean, I, I was. It was a uh, fire department ambulance, and, and my arm was. I was. The pain was becoming intolerable. I don't even like to think about it. I, I have been suffering. I have to admit, I got to. I got to confess, I've been suffering post-traumatic stress syndrome. I'm real. I'm. I'm asleep, and I'm reliving the accident, waking up in absolute terror. But uh, uh, but the thing is, my arm was all shattered when when they got me because it was a fire department ambulance. They didn't have any, I was screaming for morphine. They said, we, we don't have that on our ambulance. If it was a medical ambulance, they'd have it. You've got to just buck up and hold on until we get you back to the back to the hospital. It was, it was one hell of a horrifying ride back to the hospital because uh, my arm was shattered and, uh, you know, I, I had no drugs in me and it was really painful. But but this is something. They they got me into the hospital, and, and fortunately they got a shot of morphine to be right away. But it wasn't doing much. Uh, as I told you, they uh, it was obvious that they gave me a full CAT scan, and, and my, it was obvious my arm was shattered. They said I'm going to need surgery. But it's around shortly after. It's around one in the morning now. And they asked me when I'd last eaten, and I told them I said that was between like nine and ten o'clock. They said, well, then we, we can't operate on you right away. We'll have to wait till 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. We've got to let at least 12 hours go by. And, and so uh, they said, but we, we can't leave your arm like this. We, we've got to set your arm. And uh, my arm, like I said, looked like a fusil noodle. It was, like, twisted in every different direction. I was wow. like, oh, my God, oh, Jesus, you're going to set that. And I could feel it hurting. And, and, and they had already given me one shot of morphine. I said, you, you can't even touch that. you got to give me more morphine. They gave me another shot of morphine, and then they, they attempted to lift my arm to set it. It cut through the second shot of morphine. I was screaming. I said, look, it's not enough. They said, give him some more morphine. And they gave me more, another sh- third shot of morphine. And then they, they tried to even just lift my arm, and it was impossible. I could still feel it. So then they said, give the guy some fentanyl. So uh, the, the point is they get like seven shots. They got like four shots of morphine. Three shots of fentanyl, which is very powerful stuff, and, yeah. and and there was there was no way they could set this arm. I could feel it; it was that badly broken, and I was begging them, swearing and pleading for the love of God, don't touch my arm. And, and they said, I said, I said, you got to give me more. They said, no, we we we've, we've given you too much morphine. You'll you'll overdose. We were at the limit. We've already given you seven shots. And then I heard them mutter, well, we better give him blah, 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 blah. And I said, what's that? They said, it's a, it's, a, it's an amnesia drug. And I said, amnesia? They said, yeah, you won't remember anything. And I said, what, like, rohypnol, the date rape drug? Right. And they were like, yeah, that's what, that's what we're giving you. And I said, uh, I said what, are you, what are you giving me rohypnol for? And they said, well, it, it'll induce amnesia. You won't remember anything. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, uh, you give me an amnesia drug. I said, Is that before you set my arm, they said, yeah. And I said, uh, but uh, wait, this uh, you've given me all this morphine and fentanyl. I said, this is, I, I could feel it. They said, well, this will induce amnesia. So I, I mean, they said, you won't remember anything that happened. I said, but, but wait a minute, later, I'm not going to remember anything. But I want to know, right now, when you give me this shot, I, I, I guess for the duration of time before later comes, I'm going to be conscious and I'm going to be feeling this. And they said, but you won't remember it. And I'm like, but, but wait a minute, I'm going to be in screaming fucking agony right now, but I won't remember it later. And they're like, don't, don't worry about it, you're not going to remember it. And I saw them coming at me with the needle, with the rohypnol. 
and and uh, and they they stuck it in my arm, and it was the weirdest thing because if you've been on morphine, when they give you the morphine, like before, or when you're putting it under surgery, you drift out. You know, you feel yourself getting sleepy. They tell you to count backwards from a hundred. Things start getting foggy, and then when, then when you come to after surgery, it's gradual where, you, where your eyes are opening and you're, you're dimly becoming aware of your surroundings. What I found really fascinating was. That was that uh, I, I had so much fear and terror in me because whenever they touched my arm, it hurt bad, and I all that, so I was jacked up with adrenaline. I was wide fucking awake, and and they gave me this shot of the date rape drug, and uh, it was the blink of an eye. That's how I remember it. I remember closing my eyes like, and it was like black for one second, and then I opened them, and, and I wasn't like gradually coming out. I was wide fucking awake. And I'm in a different room. And I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, it was, it was that sudden. The date I mean, I'd, we often hear about, you know, Bill Cosby slipping these chicks rohypnol, the date rape drug. And, and I guess if you haven't undergone it, you don't know what to expect. But, but I experienced it. And it was fucking weird because I was, I was wide awake and, and in a state of terror in, in the ICU, and they gave me this shot, and like the blink of an eye, wide awake, I, 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 a second later, I'm awake in a different room, and I'm like, my heart's still palpitating, and I'm like, oh my God, I said, uh, you just give me that shot, and they're like, yeah, we gave you that shot of that stuff, I said, well, what, what are you going to, I was assuming that I was awake, I was, this was like in the immediate aftermath, and I said, I, you're going to start setting my arm, it's going to hurt, this is going to hurt, I, I, and they said, no, no, we, we, we set your arm. And I said, he sat my arm and I looked and it was already in a cast. I said, my arm was like all broken up. It was broken in like five places. They go, yeah. And I said, uh, how long did it take you to set it? They said, oh, about 15 minutes. And they said, you don't remember anything, do you? I said, no, no, no I don't. And I said, well, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. When you, when you gave me the shot, 15 minutes, I said, was, was I like screaming at the top of my lungs in agony? And they said, do you remember anything? And I was like, no, and they go, well, don't worry about it. I said, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm kind of worried about it. Was, was I, like, fully conscious and, like, screaming in agony while you're setting my broken arm? They said, you don't remember anything, do you? And I go, no. They go, then, then why are you worried about it? So like, this is kind of disturbing. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm realizing this is like men in black. I mean, it was like when they rubbed the silver pen in front of your face with the light. I mean, yeah. It, it wiped my memory clear, but it is disturbing to think that somewhere out there, there was a 15-minute stretch when I was obviously in that hospital, awake and conscious, and I must have been screaming bloody murder in absolute agony and terror, and it, it, it was, my memory was wiped clean. It's it's really bizarre. No kidding. Damn. So now, but now, now I... Now I, I actually feel very strongly for any woman that ever hung out with Bill Cosby, because I realize, oh shit, you know, because <laughs> I've heard that that drug doesn't put you out; it just makes you your your conscience. Do you, you, like, you feel sorry for any woman that goes through labor? Yeah, but but I mean, I'm thinking of these women. <laughs> they go, they go, they hang out with Bill Cosby. He slips out in a drink. They're sitting at the hotel bar. They they sip the drink, and then the blink of an eye. They wake up and they're in the taxi cab and they're in the taxi cab and their shoes are on their wrong feet and their their panties are backwards and they don't know what the fuck happened. 
Edward, here's here's something that I would recommend because you do explain the story as if it is a horror flick. You should totally write a short story and send it into one of these horror magazines, and I bet. Well, I, I think I think John Link has got to get some real hip on flipping to his brother. Oh. <laughs> that would be good. Stick your own scrap metal. And then when he wakes up, he's chained in the basement did, with did, like a bucket. Did that actually go through because my backup phone just died? But you should send your story into any horror magazine as a short story, and I can almost guarantee that would be published. Well, I'll tell you what, as soon as I, right now, you've seen some of my Facebook posts. I must confess, my I'm a right-handed person like most people are, and I, I absolutely can't. It's so frustrating because I would like to be communicating a lot on Facebook, like when I broke my left arm instead, but for all of my posts on Facebook, I'm, I'm doing it solo. I mean, I got whiplash. I got whiplash, so it's painful sitting up, but, but all of my posts are solo with the left hand, and I'm sl- and I can't use the right hand at all, so I'm just slowly pecking. And I'm not a typist; I'm just hunting and pecking. Actually, they do say that the most hands that are broken are right-handed people or shattered are right-handed people. Me, I'm a lefty, so uh, my chances of breaking my right arm is like eighty. And I can Grant, still you're like breaking my left hand. Barely understand I'm a you. lefty. Hey, you said it, John. I know it's a phone. I, it's the phone. Yeah, I'm a lefty, so I'm good hands. But, but I, wa- I wonder if anybody got my Facebook joke, if your Facebook friends are mine, because uh, typing my first post of hunting and pecking one character at a time. I, I felt like, does anybody remember? I, I felt like Archie the Cockroach from Don Marquis. Yeah, 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 I, I got yep. that, yeah. Does anybody, does anybody here remember the delightful children's stories from the early 20th century? Yeah, yeah. I do, I do, yeah. Archie and Mahedabel. Archie and Mahedabel, yeah, I remember that. It was originally serialized. It was a story that was serialized in a newspaper uh, from 1916 to 1918. But the writer, Don Marquis, the premise was that he had this cockroach in his apartment named Archie, and the cockroach would communicate with him. By The cockroach was able to crawl up onto his typewriter and leap into the air and come crashing down on a key, one key at a time, and slowly type out messages to Don Marquis, the human, about life in the world of cockroaches. But because he was a little cockroach and it was an effort to punch every key, he was unable to hit the tab or the shift. And so everything was lowercase. He couldn't tap the letters. And, uh, and Archie, the cockroach, was best friends with a female alley cat named the Head of Bell. And he would recount his adventures with his friend, the cat, which then Don Marquis would, would publish in the newspaper as if he was actually communicating with, you know, cockroaches and cats. They were later, later compiled into books, you know, which were uh, popular children's books in the early 20th century. But they're quite delightful and quite funny and charming. 
And, uh, you know, much, much like Rocky and Bullwinkle, kid stories with, with a lot of adult humor in it. And, uh, but anyhow, I felt like Archie the Cockroach. I, that's how I feel making my posts on Facebook. Uh, it takes me an hour to put one post down. But uh, I'm, I'm doing my best to communicate with the outside world. Yeah, that's the way I write, too. But I want all my friends and fans to know that I'm reading all of your posts on my Facebook page, and I really appreciate them. And, 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 oh, and, let, me not forget, and let me not forget the rock and roll community has been, my, my punk rock community has been very supportive, too. And, uh, but but uh, one of these days we're going to get Conrad back on, because Conrad has been very paternal oh, yeah. towards we're, me. We're definitely going to call him. He's so funny to call in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, I don't want to spoil it. You shouldn't count these chickens before they hatch. But after <laughs> Conrad was calling me, I was talking to Pete Jackson, and the director who called me back. I think he changed his number. I think it might be because of us. Well, I have I have the new number, but I'm not going to give it to you now. I have to, there we go. I have to, See, he cannot <laughs> escape our rest. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but Pete Jack, Pete Jack alone is not. Yeah. Pete Jack alone is not. The blog talk radio is about to cut us off, and I'm trying to look for a clip. Um, Edward, let me see. Let me see here, because you have been. If you're so breaking up a bit, let me see. Couldn't... Right now, you have yeah, been. Yeah, it's kind of hard to hear. I know it's the phone. I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, they charge those bad boys up ahead of time. Well, no, I got so much stuff by switchboard. I'll, I'll make a quick um, plug. I'll make a quick. I'll make a quick plug. A plug. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, friends and fans, don't forget if you have Netflix. I've got two movies free on Netflix streaming. If you're a Netflix member, Mr. Hush is yep, available I watched on Netflix. It. But also, there's a horror miniseries called Flesh for the Beast: Sukiko's Curse, and it's a seven-part miniseries, a horror detective miniseries. Uh, I'm in episode four and five. Each episode is a half hour long, and and Genevieve Rossi is with me. I'm very proud of my role in Flesh for the Beast. I play a satanic cult leader, and, and I'm an albino. And I've got long white dreadlocks. I look like uh, an old albino Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. But, uh, oh, damn. I hope, but uh, the, the director of Flesh for the Beast, Carl Morano, uh, wants to get a wants to renew the series, but he said, you know, nobody has reviewed it on IMDb or on Netflix. He said, you know. I don't care if they're good reviews or bad reviews, and I'm very proud of this work. But he said, urge people to watch it, and please, take a moment, post a, a, a reviewer's comment, post a review, because this is very important for marketing these pictures. He said, the distributors don't care if it's positive or negative reviews. They care if there are reviews, if people have been motivated enough that when they watched it, they felt like commenting. So, Mr. Hush has already got a lot of comments, but Flesh for the Beast, Series needs some commentary. Let's check that out. I'm gonna check oh, it out. Check it out then. Then. All right. I don't know what this is, but John Link, send us out John Link style, and I'm gonna play something that just has a bunch of zeros. 
Okay, this is John Linker for Auntie and Friends. Until next Sunday, so long. Da 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 da. Edward, I'm for, I'm originally from New Jersey. Uh, what town? What town? Morgan. Okay, I know where that is. Yes. Yeah, right next to South Amboy. That's right. I, uh, I I I lived in Perth Amboy for a while in my in my errant youth. I know right. the area. Wow. I, I yeah, so when of, you're I talking about Jersey, I know exactly what you're talking about. I have been singing a lot of karaoke in uh, in Perth Amboy at a club there. Oh, uh, really? Be, you know, sometimes I think I should move to Pennsylvania. Life might be easier there. Well, it depends on what area you move to. <laughs> We're we're getting tons of rain too, so I can I can feel for you about the rain in Jersey. Yeah, like I said, we have tons of rain, but it's just hot and humid here. The yeah, same here. We've had at least three times so far today where we got really severe downpour. Oh, why you? Because it's closer to where these came from. Huh? Zombies came from New Jersey, from Pennsylvania. Is that why you moved to Pennsylvania to be closer to the? No, Georgia actually, I was in Georgia before I was in Pennsylvania. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah, we, we've lived in a lot of places: uh, Texas, Wyoming, Montana, California, Oregon. Georgia is becoming. Georgia is also becoming a a center for zombies, as we all. Yeah, that's, they're probably coming over from Alabama. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.